Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. That's right, baby. On the Block is on the air. And we are live today. Oh, it's nice to get out of our little studio once in a while and see what's happening in the world and that's what we're doing today we, we've been live everywhere today this is this has been great on espn radio syracuse we had the daniel baldwin show in new york city today we had Stephen fonte and seth everett on orange nation or uh, seth goldberg i should say I get my seths mixed up once in a while they were in new york city today for everything happening there as we will certainly discuss throughout the program and we are live today but we are not in new york city we are here at the press room pub in downtown Syracuse, in historic Herald Square, where this is where you want to be over the next few days. If it's tonight when Syracuse plays UConn, if it's tomorrow night when Syracuse plays, we don't know, we'll see, we're not sure yet. It's going to be Iowa, it's going to be Oregon, I hope it's Oregon, I think it's Oregon, we'll see. And then, of course, the big one on Saturday, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Yankee Stadium, 2.30 kickoff. If you're not in New York City, this is where you want to be for all of those games. It's great to be back here at the Press Room Pub. And we are here until 6 o'clock tonight, but you need to be here until later. You need to get here, hang out, have the great food and drinks, and then watch Syracuse UConn here tonight and all the games throughout. We've got a very busy show today. Now, we checked in. I've been in communication. We think... We've got Golick Jr. today. We were supposed to have Mike Golick Jr., of course, from ESPN Radio, Golick and Wingo, and Notre Dame alum on the show yesterday, but uh, things didn't work out. He had a scheduling issue. Uh, we couldn't get in touch with him yesterday, so I felt like, well, he's just running scared. He just doesn't want to talk about the Syracuse game. He's worried now about the Qs. But I got in touch with Mike Golick Jr., and I think we are going to have him on the show today in about 15 minutes, as a matter of fact. He is scheduled to join us right here in hour number one. I was watching and listening to Golick and Wingo this morning, as I'm sure many of you were, and there was Golick Jr., and there was Golick sitting there with Trey Wingo, and Dino Babers was on the program. Very good appearance by Dino Babers on Golick and Wingo. So I don't know if I need to shake up Golick Jr. anymore, given that I think Dino took care of the job this morning, but we will try. We will get his perspective on this, have a lot of fun, and perhaps a wager in the back pocket. We will propose to one Mike Golick Jr. He's scheduled to join us right here in the first hour of the program. It's Head Coach Thursday on the block, and in this few weeks here where Syracuse football and basketball cross paths, we hear from both Dino Babers and Jim Beheim, and we will do that in the 5 o'clock hour of the show. Looking forward to hearing from both of those gentlemen on their respective big matchups here. Uh, Jim telling me earlier this week that he, he's doubtful 
that Frank Howard will play tonight, but he is still a game-time decision. He's been working on the side. He's been working with trainers. He's been working diligently to get back out there. This is now a two-month process for Frank Howard, and people are kind of wondering what kind of injury it is. Jim, as you would expect a head coach to be, is being pretty vague about it. Sometimes he'll just flat-out tell you what the injury is if a player's out for the year, like a Howard Washington situation from a year ago when he had a torn ACL. He's a torn ACL. You just tell people, and he's gone, right? But with Frank it's one of those situations where they're keeping it as vague as possible. We know he's got a foot injury. We know he's out of the boot. We know he's working in practice. What we don't know is if he will play tonight or tomorrow. Programming note on that game, by the way. So we're planning on being here tomorrow. I think Syracuse can and should beat UConn tonight, and we're going to get into this UConn game a little bit more here momentarily. But if Connecticut does pull off the win tonight at Madison Square Garden. We will not be here tomorrow. I will not have a show tomorrow because Syracuse will be playing in that time frame. So FYI, if UConn wins, no show for Brent. So I don't know if that means you're going to temporarily root for UConn tonight. So I don't have a show tomorrow. I don't know what that means for you. But FYI there, Syracuse wins, usual football Friday festivities We'll preview what I hope and should be Syracuse, Oregon, and, of course, the big football weekend to come. But we are here today. We are ready to dive in on all of it. We'll do hot takes, as usual, hear from those head coaches, Mike Golick Jr. coming up, and so much more. And while football is in the air, we will certainly break that, that game going throughout. Yes, it's hoops time tonight at Madison Square Garden as Connecticut and Syracuse meet up once again. And every time these games come up, you know, you, you kind of take stock, right? Where is that rivalry? When it's Georgetown, it always will kind of burn in a Syracuse fan. It certainly depends what age you are, but it's just something you want to see continue, especially when Patrick Ewing came back. And he said, well, if Jim Beheim's still at Syracuse and Patrick Ewing's now at Georgetown for a second time around, this time as a head coach, why not keep that rivalry going? It's such a long season, non-conference play, You've got to tailor that schedule to appease the NCAA selection committee. And you've got to, you know, with the new quadrant system and how things work in college basketball, you've got to schedule good opponents. So you can't schedule old Big East opponents just for the sake of it. You've got to schedule teams that will help your RPI, that will help your strength of schedule. If those teams happen to be both, great, do it. If not, you've really got to think about it. The other big factor in this, and Syracuse playing UConn itself, is next year the ACC goes to 20 games. And Jim Beheim even said it before the season at ACC Media Day that if I'm going to play two more conference games, that's, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically that's their prerogative. They can do that and help the new ACC network, which comes into play next year at the same time. But that means I have to schedule less games. And he referenced the old Biggies games, like Villanova, like St. John's, like this matchup here. Now, this worked out that Syracuse gets to play UConn in the 2K Classic. So this is not a standalone game that they scheduled with UConn, although people would certainly understand that if they did. If they scheduled Syracuse and UConn and said, put it at Madison Square Garden, it's a natural place for both fan bases to be. It's an excuse to be back in New York City, and everybody would be fine with that. In this case, it happens to work out in a schedule format. Syracuse will play again tomorrow, no matter what happens tonight. If they lose to UConn, it's a 4:30 game. If they beat UConn, it's a 6:30 game. And this is a big early test for Syracuse. Because you've got Dan Hurley, who's at UConn now. 
And even in this young season, we have barely scratched the, the surface on this college basketball season. But UConn is playing that aggressive pressure defense that was a hallmark of what Dan Hurley did at Rhode Island. He comes in, this is a UConn program that has won national championships that was just a few years ago in the Final Four over, over uh, under, pardon me, Kevin Ali. And it just took a couple of years for that program to completely fall apart, to, f- uh, to fire Kevin and bring in Dan Hurley. But even early on here, and we'll hear from Jim Beheim later in the show, but he told me that this is the best backcourt that they'll face. I mean, think about that. Here we are on November the 15th, already saying it's the best backcourt that they will face this season. And you're playing in the ACC. You, you are playing Buffalo, who is a great team a year ago, upset Arizona in the NCAA tournament and has pretty much everybody back from that team and looks dangerous again. There's some really good backcourts that Syracuse is going to face as they go through the season. And Jim Beheim said, no, nah, Jim's prone to hyperbole once in a while especially when you get him like right before a game and maybe he's trying to send a message to his team one way or the other. But Jim also has a pretty honest analysis of teams. He watches a lot of college basketball and he has seen UConn as impressed by them. So here's one thing to keep in mind, the aggressive defense that UConn plays and they've got a great backcourt. Now look at the Syracuse guard situation. I just brought it up a moment ago. Frank Howard, we don't know. He's a game-time decision. He's doubtful. And even if he does play, how effective will he be? This is a basketball team that needs their quarterback, that needs their point guard, and needs him bad. But he's nowhere near 100% at this point, right? Okay. So now Jalen Carey gets put in and will play more minutes. Well, Jalen Carey is still getting back into form from injury. A, B, needs more time. And you could even see it in Syracuse's game against Moorhead State turn the ball over, still trying to find his way, still trying to get comfortable. He played 18 minutes in that game. Now, it's not to say these players can't step up in big spots. There's something about Madison Square Garden. There is something about being in New York. There is something about, you know, just that atmosphere, big game ESPN2, that brings out the best in players. Sometimes you've got to challenge your guys. Sometimes you've got to say, look, Tonight's the night you have to step up. What happened prior is not an excuse. We need you tonight. We need you to be at your best tonight. And maybe this is the game where it starts to click and starts to come together for Jalen Carey. We'll see. The other situation there, of course, is Howard Washington, who has been limited, didn't even play. Somebody double-checked me on that in the box score. But if he played, it was not much against Moorhead State. So this puts a lot more pressure on Ty's battle who, you know, is prone to in these games want to take over. And in the last game, Tyus Battle shook off his shooting woes and scored 23 points, attacked the basket, got his confidence back because he shot three for 10 in the first game for Syracuse against Eastern Washington, stayed after as they broke down the Carrier Dome. They're transitioning from basketball to football and the court's shrinking and there's, you know, forklifts and everybody in the Dome transitioning. And there's Tyus Battle out there shooting. Like, hey, get out of here, kid. We got to put the football field down. And he's getting shots in. Well, it worked because he was much better against Moorhead State. But now put Tyus Battle in this spot on ESPN2, Madison Square Garden. Will he be more aggressive on the offensive end? Or will he try and distribute and run the point more? So that guard situation already is interesting, already is kind of in flux for Syracuse. It is slowly but surely coming together. Now add in that UConn has 
in the words of Jim Beheim, the best backcourt that they'll face this year. Jalen Adams is a terrific guard. Terrence Smith has come in, made a huge difference for UConn in that backcourt, and now they've got that pressure defense. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how Syracuse responds tonight. The crowd will be great because this is just the orange weekend. Perhaps you've heard there's a big football game Saturday. There's two basketball games. There was one last night. The SU women's team actually kind of kicked off this weekend playing Texas A&M in, in Westchester. So this is a it's, it, it's basically a reunion in New York, which it always is. When Syracuse plays at Madison Square Garden or finds itself in New York, which it seems to do at least once a year, the fans come out, they show up. But UConn's got a huge fan base that's right there and in that city, and they'll be there too. So I'll be curious what the crowd distribution is tonight. I think I kind of know what the crowd distribution is going to be for this Notre Dame game coming up on Saturday. You know, my colleague at Syracuse.com, Nate Make, wrote a story and said, and it's pretty much four to one, Notre Dame fans on Q's fans. It's pretty much 70-30 distribution. So, we shall find out. Tonight, the first test for Syracuse against UConn. And then, let's say they beat UConn tonight, which I think they will. For entertainment purposes only, they're a nine-and-a-half point favorite. And despite everything I said, I think, you know, UConn has its faults. I don't think they've got an answer for O'Shea Brissett. So, if he continues to play the way he has, and if Syracuse can get... The shooting's got to get better, right? The big early storyline, mind you, it's just two games, but the big early storyline has been what? They can't shoot from the three. They're six of 33 from three-point range right now. And it's not just shooting from three-point range, though that's the big one. Buddy Beheim hasn't connected from the outside. He's what? I think one of 10. We mentioned Tyus Battle not shooting from three. We mentioned, uh, we haven't mentioned, I should say, Elijah Hughes, who's just one for nine from the three-point range line so far this season law of averages says they're going to start to shoot better and can balance out the outside game with the inside game so i think they will beat uconn i think they will shoot better i think o'shea Brissett's just hard to stop right now pascal chukwu can he continue what he did against moorhead state when he had 14 10 and 6 i just think syracuse outguns uconn tonight okay let's say they take care of business oregon takes care of business now you got to match up with Oregon on a Friday night where I've seen Syracuse in some Final Four projections, I've seen Oregon in some Final Four projections, and I've seen both in some Final Four projections. So how great would that be to see those teams match up after Syracuse gets by an old rival, UConn, at Madison Square Garden, a place they have met many times. One cool thing about Oregon, I know some of you have seen this, but in case you haven't, and what a dynamic this will be. I brought up Pascal Chukwu and, of course, throw Barama Sidibe in there. But Oregon has Manute Bull's son, whose name is Bull Bull, by the way. And Bull Bull is a big bull. So does Syracuse have an answer there? What a test that will be for Pascal Chukwu and company. And Oregon's good. Oregon is a, you know, a preseason ranked team and a preseason Final Four favorite for a number of reasons. So what... No matter how this turns out, you know, look, I hope Syracuse doesn't lose in place Iowa tomorrow, but one way or the other, they've got two meat-falling-off-the-bones games 
at Madison Square Garden, a place we all love to watch Syracuse basketball. And then you got the Notre Dame game on Saturday. So it really kicks into gear tonight. Big orange, baby. It's not the Big Apple. It's the Big Orange. And we'll continue to break it down as we go through the afternoon here. Mike Goley, Jr., scheduled to join us here in just a few minutes. I think we got him this time. Missed him yesterday, but I talked to Mike a little bit off the air and went back and forth and he had a couple things going on yesterday it was you know very apologetic and i said you're just running scared man you just you know you just know syracuse is going to come in there and take care of business so i think we've got gullet jr coming up we're looking forward to that you'll hear from jim Beheim as you do every thursday you'll hear from coach babers as you do every thursday as well as we're live here at the press room pub in historic Herald square downtown syracuse this is where you're watching syracuse connecticut tonight if you're not in the garden this is where you're going to watch syracuse basketball tomorrow night if you're not in new york city and this is certainly where you need to be to watch syracuse play notre dame on saturday with the 230 kick great spot tvs everywhere cold beverages great food it's just a cool spot to come hang downtown and watch the game and there's gonna be plenty of fans here with you maybe we'll let some notre dame fans in too we'll see let's break on that note we will come back and we're scheduled to have mike golick jr when we return you're on the block live from the press room pub on espn radio syracuse this is on the block with brent axe Yeah, baby, we're back at it here on the block ESPN Radio, and we're live today from the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse in historic Herald Square. This is where you want to be tonight to watch the game. Syracuse-UConn, 7 o'clock tip. They'll be back at it tomorrow night. We don't know what time yet, but when Syracuse plays, be it 4.30 if they lose, 6.30 if they win, they're going to win, right? They're going to beat UConn. They're going to be playing tomorrow night. I I really want to see that Syracuse-Oregon game, too. I can look ahead. I don't have to take things one game at a time. Not that playing UConn at Madison Square Garden, renewing that rivalry, is something I'm pushing right by. But to get UConn and Oregon on consecutive days, a good meaty college basketball sandwich before the big one Saturday against Notre Dame. This is where you want to watch it all, right here at the Press Room Pub in downtown Syracuse. Great to be back here tonight. This is where you want to watch the NFL on Sunday. I mean, you name it, they got it here. TV's everywhere. A lot of room, newly remodeled, just a cool place to come hang after work for the big game, whatever it may be. Get on down here to the Press Room Pub and do it. So we're going to hear both from Jim Beheim and Dino Babers this hour, head coach Thursday, here on the block in football and basketball crossing paths. We hear from both head coaches on Thursday. So that's coming up a little bit later on here as we press forward. Dino looking forward to this big Notre Dame game and of course Jim Beheim discussing his team so far and looking at this UConn team tonight who you'll hear the clip we'll play it a little bit later on this hour but Jim Beheim telling me and you know a little sneak peek of what you'll hear a little bit later on that this is the best backcourt they're going to face now does Jim Beheim say that about every team he plays in some way? Yeah, he does, but he's also pretty honest about teams. He watches a lot of college basketball, and that is high praise for a team that does have a strong backcourt and I think will really push Syracuse in a lot of ways tonight. This is a good early test for the Orange, not only on paper, not only on the surface. It's a good early test for Syracuse just based on where they're at right now roster-wise and what UConn is transitioning into. That being said, Syracuse is a 9.5-point favorite, and I don't think UConn 
Khan has the answers for a few different things in this game. But when we look at Syracuse Notre Dame, we'll hear uh, from Dino Babers later in the show. If you missed it last hour, by the way, we did get Mike Golick Jr. on the show. He was ducking us for a while. He was running away, but we caught up to him. We tackled him. We said, you're going to talk about this game, man. So the Notre Dame alum and ESPN Radio Star was with us last hour. If you missed it, we will put it up on ESPNSyracuse.com. You can listen on demand. A lot of fun to catch up with Mike and get his perspective on Notre Dame and uh, a lot of different things we covered, including Stephen A. Smith being the spirit animal of this football team and, of course, our own Daniel Baldwin continuing to infiltrate ESPN Radio's airwaves. We, we apologize for that. But, you know, every Friday there he is again on the Levitard Show. And uh, will he be back? For tomorrow's Levitard show, well, you'll just have to tune in and find out, right? That's what we call a tease in the radio world. Julian Wiggum was on with us yesterday, and he brought up some of these things. And when I really start to hone in on Syracuse and Notre Dame, there's a few things that, and our predictions came out on Syracuse.com today. I picked Syracuse to lose a close game. I think it's going to be like a 38-30 type of game. I really think Syracuse can stay close. I really think that this is going to be an entertaining football game, not only just by the optics of it. It's a game in Yankee Stadium. It's a Notre Dame crowd. It's Syracuse and Notre Dame. It's the biggest game of the week. I mean, the hype that goes into it and kind of culminating this Syracuse in New York City stay here, like all that's awesome. I just think the football game, the matchup will be great. But Julian did a great uh piece on this on Twitter today. He actually did a Twitter thread about it, and he discussed some of these things with us yesterday. And I really agree with Julian that this game is going to come down to a few things. One is passing efficiency. Notre Dame's got a lockdown corner. Notre Dame's got one of the best pass rushes in college football. And the trick with Eric Dungy has always been what? The trick with Dungy is you've got to get him in the pocket and make him throw the football. And that sounds simple, right? Because he's a quarterback. But if you lock him into that pocket and make him throw the football and don't allow him to escape, don't allow him to run, don't allow him to make the plays that he can make against a Louisville, that he can make against a Wake Forest, even NC State in North Carolina. Okay, Dungy has not seen a real defense, a real true blue defense since Clemson. And what happened in that Clemson game was Look how close it was. Look how tight it was. And Clemson pulled away by running the football in the fourth quarter with Travis Etienne. Well, Dexter Williams may be the best running back Syracuse has seen since then. So they've got to contend with that. But it's going to come down to can Dungy hang in the pocket and put those throws on the money like he did in the NC State game. It's going to come down to that with Ian Book, too. Because Ian Book, look. They were cautious a week ago. They knew they could beat Florida State without him, and they did. And they beat Florida State convincingly without him. He's got a rib injury. I don't know if he's going to be wearing a flak jacket or what kind of protection. And, you know, as Mike Golick Jr. and I were talking about earlier, they're going to shoot him up, and, you know, he'll be fine to play in that sense. But we talked yesterday with Pete Sampson on the program who covers Notre Dame for the Athletic. He was great, by the way. Terrific insight on the Irish. If you missed, uh, missed that interview, just go to ESPN Syracuse. Dot com and look in the audio vault for that. And he said one thing that Notre Dame is susceptible to, and this is when Ian Book was, a, was healthy, was a strong off-the-edge pass rusher. And it was funny to see Julian's reaction. Julian Wiggum was in studio with me at the time, and his eyes just lit up like Christmas. And I knew why. And we were both kind of looking at each other like, may I introduce you to Alton Robinson? 
And if you can get Chris Slayton off double teams, I don't know if Notre Dame's going to double team him. If you can get this Syracuse pass rush, Kendall Coleman certainly, and Kingsley Jonathan, and even rush some linebackers, then you could be in business here. But Book, Dungy, who's the more efficient passer in this game? And look, you've got a winter storm coming through. I don't think weather's going to be a factor come game time on Saturday. But wind is something to watch. Wind is something to monitor right up until game time. So passing efficiency is huge. Explosive plays. I think a lot of Syracuse fans are counting on the orange, finding a way to trick Brian Kelly to come out aggressive, to get the crowd out of it in the first half or the, you know, the second quarter and kind of take control. And the way you do that is big plays, trick plays, get that Notre Dame defense off its heels. Well, I brought up this stat yesterday, and I'll bring it up again. Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country when it comes to not giving up big plays. They have given up a total of six plays over 30 yards this year. Six. When it comes to passes over 20 yards, they've only given up 20 of those. So if you're counting on razzle-dazzle, something that you know Clark Lee on defense, Brian Kelly at the head coach have not seen, you might get them once but you're not going to get them after that. So big plays I don't think are something that Syracuse can count on. Or I should rephrase that, explosive plays. Those huge plays that Syracuse had a ton of against Louisville. I don't think you're going to see a Nikeem Johnson streaming down the field wide open. You're not going to see a Taj Harris streaming down the field wide open on an explosive play on a big play. So you just got to beat them straight up mano a mano. Special teams. Well, here's somewhere where Syracuse has an advantage. They have one of the best special teams in the country, and it wasn't looking that way early against Louisville, but I think we all kind of knew, like, well, this is Louisville. It's going to even out. You had an early muff punt by Sean Riley, but then Syracuse made up for it as they went along. Andre Schmidt has been hitting kicks all year, but look, I'm as curious as anybody, if that wind is kicking up in Yankee Stadium, how much do you want to rely on Andre Schmidt? Because a point that Julian made yesterday, and it was a good one, is... You can't kick field goals against Notre Dame because they will keep scoring. And even if you have to kick a few field goals, and inevitably you're going to have to against this defense, how's that wind going to factor in? It's a unique setting at Yankee Stadium with how the, it's configured, and you know it, it, it's going to be weird wind-wise. And remember, Syracuse is not, at least the plan right now is, Dino Baber saying on the ACC conference call that, the plan is not to go the day before and do a walkthrough. It's to get there Saturday and get familiar with the, you know, get, get familiar with Yankee Stadium and how the stadium's formatted and everything. For a kicker, you want to get out there early. You want to get a sense of the wind. You want to get a sense of your bearings. So that's something to keep an eye on, though I think Syracuse does have a distinct advantage there. And the fourth factor that Julian brought up that I think is going to determine this game is turnover ratio. And I think a lot of people are leaning on Syracuse, assuming Syracuse wins that battle because they have one of the best turnover margins in college football. And I think you're right to think that, but again, Notre Dame is just efficient football team. They will not give up the ball as easily as Louisville did, as Wake Forest did. NC State didn't turn the ball over that much. I think Ryan Finley had one interception in that game, and even North Carolina. So a lot of the things that Syracuse has been banking on to win, big plays, I think you're going to see reduced. 
I think you're going to see special teams be a factor, but I don't want Andre Schmidt to be that busy. You've got to score touchdowns against this team. Those explosive plays we mentioned, not going to be there as much. And can you count on the ratio you have had turnover-wise to get by this team? I think the answer to that is no. Now, what could counter that, what will be an X factor to watch in that case is if Ian Book gets shaken up early, Syracuse gets to him, and that rib injury is affecting how he's throwing the football. But again, Notre Dame's got Dexter Williams. and By the way, Notre Dame's got a couple other guys that can run the football. Dexter Williams is kind of taken off as the lead guy. He's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. He's got about nine touchdowns this year. He's the lead dude. But they've got a few guys that can run the ball. This is just a mano-a-mano straight-up game. And Syracuse had one of those against Clemson. Clemson's number two in the country, and I know they didn't have Trevor Lawrence in that game, but Syracuse was a possession away on the road from doing it there. Who is to say they can't be in the same spot against Notre Dame in what is technically a neutral site game, but I think we know this is more of a road game than anything because Notre Dame fans are going to be there, and if you don't know the Notre Dame fight song, you're going to know it, and you're going to hear it in your sleep for the next few weeks. If you're going to that game or even just watching that game, there's going to be a ton of Notre Dame fans there. But the Syracuse fans that managed to get in, they'll be loud, and they're going to make this a great environment as well. That's just the beginning of what we're discussing here because we've got a big basketball game tonight at Madison Square Garden. We're here at the Press Room Pub in downtown Syracuse where you want to be to watch the game tonight. Let's hear from Jim Beheim. Let's break. We'll come back and we'll hear from Coach Beheim in our weekly chat with the head coach, his thoughts on UConn on the shooting woes this team has right now, playing in these early tournaments, and his thoughts on a few other things, SU basketball-wise. We'll do it next, and then we'll follow that right up with Dino Babers, all the head coaches, coming up next on the block ESPN Radio.